We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hi, hello, this is Josh Bowe, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with an afternoon recording edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark, NBA Bubble Edition, NBA Bubble Scrimmage Edition, uh, as the Mavericks try to get back in gear, get back in shape uh, before the NBA restart happens uh, later this week. The Mavericks play the Indiana Pacers this afternoon. They lost 118-111. I'm here with one of our new staffers, Ryan Mainville. Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming on. And just what were your kind of overall thoughts uh, from this scrimmage? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Josh. Um, You know, it's good to be watching basketball again. That first quarter, the Mavericks looked really, really strong. They scored 37 points. Uh, That was led by Luka. And, of course, Curry, who looked sharp again. Their offense looked really good, really fluid. They were making really nice passes. Uh, The second quarter, the Pacers kind of started scoring more. And really, since then, it was downhill. The Mavericks just kind of got sloppy. That can be expected, though, when you're running a completely different rotation outside of your starters. You know, that fourth quarter especially, they were just running the Berea and Boban pick and roll, like, every single possession. And it wasn't generating a lot of offense. So, you know. They came shorthanded and lost the game, but it is what it is. It's just a scrimmage. Yeah, uh, it's hard to take any big key themes away from these scrimmages, uh, knowing that these guys are playing their first, you know, meaningful NBA-type basketball for the first time in almost four months, basically. Uh, These guys are just trying to get their bodies in shape. Uh, they're probably try, trying not to get hurt, not trying not to push things too hard, but they're also trying to balance that by trying to get ready for this very unique uh, restart that's going to be happening in a couple of days. Um, for me, yeah, you know, I kind of agree with everything you said. That first quarter was great. Might have been, you know, the best they've looked in these two scrimmage games so far. Uh, the offense was pristine. 
Uh, they hit 12 three-pointers in the first half. Uh, they were really, like, it looked like at one point they were about to run away with this game. I, I think they got, like, a double-digit lead sometime early in the uh, second quarter. Um, well, they had a double-digit lead then the, in the first quarter, and they kind of extended it to, like, 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that range. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I thought that they were on their way to almost a blowout. They were just – the offense was looking so good, and they were hitting three so well. And yeah, the end of the fir- end of the first half and that third quarter was just a giant buzzsaw. Um, I don't know what to, I don't know how to feel about this, but the Mavericks main rotation players they played these two scrimmage games, both of them against playoff teams, the Lakers and the Pacers. And for the most part, the the main rotation guys, you know, before it kind of got into the fourth quarter where it was kind of you know quote unquote kind of like garbage time, you know, just kind of end of the bench guys playing. You know, when you consider the main rotation guys minutes in these two scrimmage games, the Mavericks have lost those minutes for the most part Um, against the Pacers tonight or this afternoon. Really, uh, every starter except for Maxi Kleba was a negative and plus minus. Uh, That was mostly true in the Lakers game where they basically got outplayed the entire first half, which was, again, mostly the main rotation guys playing. So. I don't know how to feel because it's scrimmage games and it's scrimmage games in the weirdest scenario that these guys have never been in. But like, I don't know. It's just maybe not the best omen as these games are about to start up soon. I mean, Ryan, do you see that or do you have any thoughts on that? Or or am I kind of thinking too much into two relatively meaningless games? Yeah. So it's been difficult for me because I'm trying to watch these games with the lens of don't overreact like it's just practice and so like today like I've been trying to watch like things that will translate well like in the actual seeding games and something I saw was the pick and pop game with Kleba just working really well like he made four threes tonight and if that's something that he can do consistently in the next like eight games that actually count it's going to be a problem but then there are also things that I'm like uh have me feeling a little nervous and a big part of that is Hardaway Jr. and the way that he's been shooting so far. He's under 30% on all field goals so far so far in Orlando, and he's only shooting 36% on threes. I just think the offense needs to see a little bit more of him if they want to continue to build early leads and then maintain them because we saw them let that lead go pretty quickly today. Yeah, I didn't – I wasn't a big fan. If there's one thing that, like, I can say I just didn't like – and I don't think this is an overreaction as I really didn't like the energy they showed toward the end of the first half in the third quarter after they got, got their big lead. Uh, it looked like the Pacers kind of were like, okay, let's get this together. And they tightened up and the Pacers defense got better. They were a little more aggressive. They're on the ball. They're stopping kind of the Mavericks first option. And so it's understandable that the Mavs would struggle to score uh, with the Pacers kind of tuning things up uh, defensively, bringing up the intensity level. What I didn't like was the Mavericks. It wasn't the fact that they didn't score. It was the fact that it was like kind of over after that. Like there was no real adjustment from the Mavericks. They kind of just bogged down, didn't really readjust, didn't really match that intensity level. And the energy just felt off in that third quarter. Like it was kind of like it felt over. Like it felt like the game was over, even though there was, you know, like 20 something 20 20 minutes left of of game time so i i didn't like that i didn't like how it kind of felt like once the pacers brought up the energy level brought up the intensity the mavericks just kind of i don't know i don't want to say like 
you know, raise the white flag, but they just kind of backed off and they didn't really match it. And that was, that was a little disheartening. And yeah, what you're saying about Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, I think you've written about it. So we've had plenty of people on the site write about it. Plenty of people, other people, you know, on, on the internet, you know, the athletic everywhere that's talking about the Mavericks. Everyone's talking about what is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to do? He's like the key. Like, can he keep shooting like he did before the season stopped? And so far in these two scrimmage games, he hasn't, but obviously they're scrimmage games. So he has time to uh, turn it around. The, the weird thing about today's game against the Pacers, he had a lot of one-on-one isolation shots I mean, he was 211 from the field but he didn't take a ton of spot up looks uh, a lot of off the dribble a lot of isolation stuff and that's not his game and that's not what he should be doing for the Mavs he should be mostly off screen spotting up attacking closeouts and, and things like that uh, so that was kind of curious the way the Mavs kind of used him maybe credit the Pacers defense for forcing them into into going that way but yeah, he's got to shoot better. Um, anything else, Ryan, that that you saw that you that from from today's game? No, I mean just kind of like repeating what you said. Like, just because Hardaway Jr. is struggling offensively doesn't mean like it's the end of the world for the offense. Like, luckily Curry has stepped up and has just been unreal to this point. But I think like the thing I'm going to be looking for in the Sixer scrimmage is how Hardaway Jr. plays defensively because tonight it did not look good. And, you know, seeing as the Clippers are likely going to be the first-round matchup, that's something I definitely want to see improve, even in just an exhibition game that doesn't really matter. I want to see him step up and play good defense on the wing because the Mavericks really need that. Yeah, it kind of felt like without Kristaps in this game, and oh yeah, and we need to mention, uh, you know, Kristaps Porzingis didn't play because he missed a one of his daily COVID tests. I believe it was either yes, I think he missed his test yesterday, and it was you know, yesterday, yeah, right. So all the NBA players are required to get daily tests, and something that's kind of crazy is I didn't. It makes sense, but I just didn't think it through that these guys are kind of responsible for for keeping up with their daily testing. Uh, in my head, I just kind of imagined someone would be knocking on their door and being like, "Okay, time to test. Let's do this," instead of like the players kind of having to do it on their own. But like considering the amount of players and the staff that it would take to wrangle up all the players and and do that, it would be it would be impossible. So it makes sense that these guys have to do it on their own. But uh, but yeah, that's just kind of crazy. So Kristaps didn't play. He has to do a quarantine. He has to do a test and, and test negative. So he should be able to go as long as no funny business happens between now and the next uh, Sixer, the Sixer scrimmage. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the defense. Uh, Hardaway had a bad beat. Someone beat him on a backdoor cut. You know, off ball aloofness has kind of been something that's dogged him his whole career. It's dogged him this season. And watching Dorian Finney-Smith try to play defense without Kristaps felt like a guy kind of like spinning plates or juggling. Like he was, he had to do everything. He was switch. Kirk uh, mentioned this to me. I think he said in our Slack, he has to switch everywhere. He has to cover so many spots. Like when you look at the Mavericks roster without Kristaps, it's basically Dorian and Maxi as the real, you know, defenders with Delon Wright coming off the bench. But like, Dorian and that starting lineup without Kristaps just has to do so much work uh, to, on the defensive end. So, yeah, that's that's going to be an issue. And I know Rick Carlisle talked about uh, in practices leading up to the scrimmages how defense is a priority. And, you know, we haven't really seen the fruits of that. But 
I don't know. Like, you just look at the roster, and there's just not a lot of good defenders on the roster between Hardaway Jr. and Luca. And, you know, Seth can be an okay defender, but, you know, just because of his size, you know, sometimes he, you know, he could be a little overmatched. You know, Berea has to play minutes. Um, Justin Jackson is inconsistent on that end. Um, you know, DeLon Wright has great moments, but he's also had kind of an up and down season defensively uh, in some aspects. So it's just tough when you don't have the horses to, you know, they can, they can drill it all they want, but, you know, you can't change. I don't think they can change bad or average defenders into great ones over the course of a month restart training camp. So, so we'll see, but yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, bouncing off of that Boban had another really good box score game. Um, 11 points, eight rebounds, um, made five of seven shots, uh, sorry, six rebounds, uh, and then made five of seven shots, but he was a minus 12 and it's hard I love Boban and he's actually, he's such a gift. Like he's got so much talent in terms of skill and touch around the basket and feel for the game, but he's so big. It's so hard to play defense when you're that big and, you know, watching him in these two scrimmage games, he has to play because there's no Dwight Powell. There's no Willie Colstein. He's going to play even when Kristaps is back. And I just find it hard for the Mavericks to be competitive on the defensive end when he's on the floor. Cause there's so much movement in the offense of today's NBA and there's so much shooting, you know, there's not a lot of posting up and grinding in the paint. He has to get out and he has to move his feet. And that's just not something he's equipped to do. It's not his fault. Uh, it's just something he really can't do. So that's something that's kind of caught my eye. Um, but any, you know, do you, anything else on that? You know, what do you think of Boban? What do you, what do you kind of think of maybe some of the bench guys that played a lot of minutes today? Yeah, I mean, watching Bovon play defense today, uh, it was a little concerning. I think it was in the third quarter where it was TJ McConnell, maybe, who just, like, ran up to the high post and made, like, three jumpers there in a row. Yeah. Rick had to call a timeout because they were going on some crazy run. I mean, that's just not Bovon's game. He just can't keep up out there. But even tonight, he didn't have a single block. Uh, so that lets you know that teams, they're, they're game planning for this, and they're learning how to take advantage of it when he's on the court and how to get him outside of the paint to where he's just switching on guys who he just simply cannot guard. Like, Boban guarding T.J. McConnell is just not fair. And so when the Mavericks get those switches, they're going to have to find a way to prevent easy buckets there. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the end of the bench guys, I think, did a good job of keeping the game uh, competitive. Antonius Cleveland hit two threes uh Berea did okay he kind of didn't really shoot very well but he kind of just kept firing him and and did his best to keep the uh the offense moving he had six assists in about under 25 minutes um Delon Wright I think had a okay game uh Justin Jackson continuing uh some good work uh after Carlisle kind of called called out uh his improvement during this uh time out time away what did you kind of think of the fourth quarter and and what some of the end of the bench guys did uh, toward the end of the game. Yeah, the two-way guys, Cleveland and Reeves, have actually kind of surprised me so far just because I haven't watched a lot of tape on them because they've been with the Legends. But, I mean, they're shooting a lot. Like tonight, Cleveland shot seven shots. And granted, he played for 24 minutes. But, yeah, I was really impressed with Cleveland's defense. He was running around the floor like crazy tonight. Uh, he actually did get two steals even, so that's really impressive. But, yeah, you know, DeLon Wright, he is just a very flashy guy. There's always flashes that look really good and flashes that 
look really, really bad. Like even on one possession, I remember him getting a steal and then turning the ball over and it just made me collapse. I was like, oh goodness. <laughs> but this is a game where I got really excited for Trey Burke and I cannot wait for Trey Burke to get in a full practice with the Mavs and be able to get out there on the court. I'm not sure what kind of role he'll have once the actual game start, but I mean, the Mavericks offense for that entire fourth quarter tonight was just awful. Like it was not fun to watch. They just need a facilitator and they need a score. And that's what Burke is like Burke will call his own number every time he has the ball. And that's just what the Mavericks need is because they just need a bucket every once in a while. Yeah, I agree. I think these two scrimmage games have very much uh, outlined why the Mavericks brought Burke back. Uh, you know, Berea, you know, bless his heart. Uh, he is giving this team everything he can coming off that Achilles injury. And when the Mavericks were using him uh, for most of the regular season before Jalen Brunson got hurt, he was giving them just dynamite production in these short bursts where Rick Carlisle kind of used him as a break glass in case of emergency option when the team really needed a spark. But being a consistent backup point guard right now and his recovery just might not be the best. Uh, you know, he's his shooting has dropped off since he's had to play more minutes uh, since Brunson went down. And, you know, that's not his fault. That's, you know, he's coming back from the Achilles injury. That's one of the, the, the probably the toughest injury to come back from uh, for an NBA player. So not his fault. And he's giving them everything he can. And he's still like producing in a way, even if his shooting is falling off because he's, you know, that talented and Rick uh, and Berea just go so well together with Rick's offense and, and Berea's skill set. But yeah, they just, they desperately need another guard that can come off the bench and create offense, whether that's, creating offense for himself, creating offense for others. I know that's not necessarily Burke's strong suit, but he is capable and he is capable of having big scoring nights, which is not something, you know, you can say about DeLon Wright or Justin Jackson or uh, any of these other guys coming off the bench. You know, they, they these are mostly like role player guys that kind of need to play off someone else. And Burke can be that guy they can play off of in limited time coming off the bench against other benches. Uh, and Burke has that ability. His his shooting and scoring ability will be much needed for this bench. Um, otherwise, other than that, uh, I think that's about all the thoughts I have. Um, I think, you know, we should talk about Maxi again, four threes. He looked fantastic, 18 points, really mixing up his uh, his screen and roll game, whether he was rolling to the rim or popping. He, he was, you know, very dynamic on that end. Uh, I'd love to see that. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm concerned about the defense. I'm concerned a little bit about the bench, but hopefully Burke should fix that. And hopefully just the Mavericks can string together a consistent performance before the restart happens. Uh, that would be nice to see. Um, but otherwise Ryan, you know, this is kind of a short one, but it's scrimmage games. So there's not as much to talk about, but <laughs> is there anything you wanted to get to before we head out of here? I don't think so. Just still on the lookout for MKG. Let's see if he gets some PT in the next scrimmage. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, he'll be interesting because the Mavericks, to close out the fourth quarter, basically played five perimeter guys. I mean, it was basically Cleveland and Justin Jackson as the front court. Um, so you would think with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, uh, if he has to play minutes at the five, you'd think, he has an opportunity here with the way the Mavericks roster is laid out. So if he gets a chance, you know, we won't be surprised. I think Carl has said that a couple times after practices. 
Um, otherwise, I think that's about it. Again, Mavericks lose to the Pacers, 118-111. They're 0 for 2. Or No, sorry, they're 1-1 and 1 in their two scrimmages. Uh, they beat the Lakers in their first one. They'll play the Sixers, and then they will play their first, you know, regular season game of this NBA restart, July 31st against the Rockets. And keep checking the site. We've got a lot of good stuff coming uh, on Mavs Moneyball this week. Ryan's got a lot of good stuff he's got written on the site already, and we'll continue to put some more stuff on the site as we gear up for this relaunch. But, Ryan, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Cool. So this is Josh Bow, Ryan Mainville of the Mavs Moneyball podcast. This has been Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Again, Pacers beat the Mavericks 118-111. We will talk to you next time.